Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Contingency Plan Podcast. My name is Jedi Master David, and with me, as always, is Darth Austin. Hello, everyone. Well, folks, back again, doing more books, because we know that that's the most popular thing that we do is books. Mm, especially High Republic. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I know we've kind of talked about this before, but High Republic has just not been very happening out in the... It's flat, very flat. It does seem kind of flat, doesn't it? And I went into this book saying, no matter what, and, and almost to the extent where I'm like, I'm just going to lie to myself here, I'm going to be positive about this book. And I hated this book the first half, but I ended up actually liking it at the end and during my reread. It's, gotcha. it's a nice... <laughs> I'm not giving my rating right away, obviously, but... Uh, good breath of fresh air in the High Republic space, other than in comics. Probably the best book we've had in a while, truthfully. You, you heard it here. He hated it. He wants to burn all the books. But then I, I, I retract that statement as they're burning. <laughs> no, don't burn them all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to pop in here and, um, you know, get into a little High Republic so, from a timeline sense, this is kind of happening at around the same time. and like then maybe a month before? Well, it, it's kind of the same-ish time as our last book, Fallen Star, mm-hmm. and then slightly after the events. So, it like it yeah. spans before and after Fallen Star. And we, we kind of catch up with a couple of characters that, to be honest, we're not all that versed in. And we'll talk about them as we go along, but I suppose we'll just do a hard stop here. And, uh, how was your week? Oh, my week that is only half over. Not bad. Well, um, I mean, cumulatively <laughs> from Wednesday to Wednesday is still sure, a week. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that far back. Come on now. That's like asking what I ate yesterday. What'd no, you I've eat been... yesterday? I'll tell you at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not not too bad. Uh, can't complain. Weather's starting to shift a little bit. Been able to enjoy being outside, go for some walks and whatnot, and uh, just still preparing for school. Hopefully, starting the next few weeks with that, and getting all the application stuff done. Had my interview after our last recording, and that went well. And uh, yeah, not a whole lot going on, really. It's a weird time of year. I don't do a whole lot. End of February, beginning of March. It's definitely just one of those placeholder times, just waiting for that decent weather to come back and get back out into the into the fun things of the season, like boating and camping and whatnot. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, still waiting. <laughs> yeah, and, and weather has been picking up a little bit here in Ohio. Cold mornings, but uh, temp definitely does raise up a bit. So, yeah, it has been nice to kind of get out and, you know, just be in it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the weekends normally smack us around a little bit, but (laughs) it's supposed to be a pretty nice weekend. So, so yeah, that's good. Getting the, getting the school going and, and everything. So you can be a big high powered compute computer guy. Yeah things yeah i'll uh i'll make the new skyrim well yeah. it's not even about skyrim it's about elden ring have you seen playthrough yeah. of elden ring dude that game Ooh, is I've massive 
I've watched a little bit. I'll tell you what, that that game's like a 150-hour game if you actually dive into it. And I, I, I'm debating on buying it with school coming up, everything. I don't know if I want to sink the time into it. But it's definitely looking like it'd be fun. Um, everyone's already uh, marking it as game of the decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and I, I've I, one of the streamers that I I put on sometimes, you know, for like background. They've had I want to say it's something stupid like seventy two hours of gameplay that they went mm-hmm. through, and they're not they're still discovering stuff. But they they and it's it's just the 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 uh, Djibouti Dubs guys, Djibouti Studios, or whatever they call themselves. They can be on a Twitch. bit lethargic with their stuff, though. Well, they <laughs> like to discover all the secrets, so they're constantly like looking around for anything and everything that could happen in the game. So sometimes you wind up, will you just go? Yeah. Just do it. Do a thing. But they get um, distracted in a conversation yeah. or just standing there for a minute. Which which is fine, but yeah, no, it, it's it is looked really really good. I have no idea about the lore, you know, the whole, you know, George double R, you know, Martin, whatever he did, I don't know, but, um, gameplay looks pretty solid. There, there just seems to be like so many attributes you can pick up armor sets, you know, and, and it, it doesn't, it obviously has roots in souls games, which I've, I've never really been a souls game. I mean, cause they're hardest, they're hard. They're brutal. They're brutal. <laughs> And um, this has obvious roots in Souls games, but it, it's it's like it's more. It's more. It's update. You can jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a mount. You know. You, you have a big, mount big that you can ride. Big upgrades in the uh, gameplay. You can actually jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> There's stealth and everything mm-hmm. in it. My only fear getting into a game like that, and it was kind of like that with Fallen Order, even though I love the story, is I don't want to have a game be super long because I die a lot. Mm. And I'm not a terrible gamer, but like Fallen Order for some reason kicked my butt. I died a lot, even on one of the lower difficulties. I just couldn't get it. And it it took twice as long as it should have for me. And I don't want to sink that kind of time into a game. Well, and and the other thing thing about Elden Ring, you don't have easy mode. No. No, you have what they made. Which I respect. I mean... I, I get that. I know that there have been a lot of people who have been complaining about where's the easy mode. It's like <laughs> there isn't. That's not the game. It's like this is not the game for you. And I'm actually Call of Duty. <laughs> no, and I've actually seen a lot of that easy mode stuff crop up here and there where people are almost demanding easy modes of games. It's like, look, not every game's for you. And I understand mm-hmm. sometimes people just want to enjoy the story, you know, coast through something, enjoy the art, whatever. But it's it's not, I mean, not everything has to be made for everybody, you know? Yeah, that's what, that's what streaming is for. I mean, watch someone play the game if you're not competent enough. And I've noticed in, like, picking difficulties lately in games, typically either medium, which would be normal difficulty, or the next up there's usually in parentheses the way it was intended to be played Mm -hmm. which to me as a developer would be super frustrating because i would want to highlight that even more it's like this is the game that we made yeah not dumbed down you know not nerfed like crazy play the game this way or don't play my game yeah not one of those help me mommy the level's too hard yeah 
Yeah. Well, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have that growing up with like Pokemon or anything. Grand, those weren't super hard games at the time, but our generation didn't have difficulty settings. <laughs> well, yeah, not really. I mean, most of the stuff was pretty much just, well, I mean, we played a lot of Sega Genesis and then, yeah. you know. Even we, like getting into like PlayStation, like Tenchi, you know, Stealth mm-hmm. Assassin games like that mm-hmm. that didn't, you, you had a rating system, but the game was as difficult as it was designed to be. and. Yep. Whether you did well or not is up to you. You know, your creative brain actually got flexed a little bit with that. Yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, obviously we'll kind of cut this off here, but I, I will say that the only other thing that I really respect about it is it, it looks like they really made all the classes like really interesting. Like if you want to do luck build, there's certain things that are really cool. You want to do a dex build. There's stuff that's really cool about that. And if you intermingle a couple, you can sort of make your own Goldilocks zone character that that goes for you. I've always been a hack and slash. I just want to go in there yeah. full bore tank and just roll. I'm not really, I've never been like the magic guy or you want to mm-hmm. heal? No, I don't want to heal. I want to <laughs> smash, okay? You want to be the cleric? Come no. on, someone needs to be the cleric. No, but they do seem to have a lot better incentives to do other paths or which makes replayability interesting and i do think that game has a a game plus so you have that option Mm -hmm. but uh i had a youtube suggestion because i've been watching reviews on it lately trying to decide if i want to buy it uh there's this channel that does a bunch of builds for the game and one was just like a a samurai build yeah and it was just kind of cool how in-depth you can get with it not only just in your class abilities your your attacks, but like they give you specific armor to make you look like a samurai yep. weaponry and you know, you get a long bow and everything and you can really jump into that game and role play almost like D and D in a way, like mm-hmm. you can get really immersed into it. Yeah. I, I've heard that sort of D and D term thrown around for this as well. So yeah, very cool. Elden ring is uh, seemingly a 10 out of 10 for most people, I would say, except those who want, you know, an easier game, which I get, but that's just not this game. So there we go. Yeah. Um, not really much on the Star Wars news front, just to kind of change gears a bit. Obviously, we're all waiting anxiously for Kenobi. Um, mm-hmm. you, you sent me uh, the, uh, what is it, Honest Trailer? What What is the uh, YouTube <laughs> the, channel? The Book of Boba Fett Honest Trailer, guys. Yeah, so the, the Honest, I mean, I've been watching them for a long time, and uh, I, I watched it before you sent it, but yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, they made a lot of fun of the Vespa kids and really, you know, highlighted that whole, well, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, if you thought it was bad, then it gets saved by Mando or whatever, you know? <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of a funny one. If you haven't watched that, I, I think they're, they're definitely worth a watch. I mean, they're a big channel. They, they have all the sponsors and crap like that, but yeah, they're, they're, it's like them in bad, bad lip reading. It's like you wonder yeah. how they get away with it. Well, they've made deals. I mean, what do you think? They're basically right. an ad agency for whatever it is that they're doing. And it's Yeah, comedy. not only that, they're actually advertising for whatever movie they're making fun of or mm-hmm. TV shows, so they get even more revenue from that, I'm sure, yeah. even though they're kind of spoofing them. But, uh, no doubt. yeah, we don't have a lot more news other than that. I do know that we had some announcements, like final build walkthroughs for the... Uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, like full character list and everything. Which should have been out like last year, right? Last year, like two, three years ago. I mean, they've been making that game for a long time. And it does look like they've put 
a lot of effort in. Like, it, it's probably going to be a fun game. Well, seemingly but, massive. I mean, it's... But good God, basically. just release the thing. It's done. Like, two months ahead. I think we still have... Is it April or May it's coming out? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, so there we go. No, no, no big... No big news, no big speculation. We're not real big into the clickbait speculation anyway. We're not going to zero out here. But um, Yeah, the MZs. Mm. <laughs> so I suppose it's time to just dive into our, into our book here. What was it called again? <laughs> oh, it's just a super, super cool name, man. I mean, it's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Midnight Horizon, uh, Daniel Jose Older, who's who's been around for a while, he should sort of know what the deal is. Kind of have a, you know, a old Master Comac uh, Vitus and and Wreath Silas on the cover. Pretty cool cover. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there. We co- also for those for those of you who are in Audible, uh, we kind of mentioned this last week. We don't have Mark Thompson. Yeah, or uh, or um, uh, Robert Petkoff. Yeah, we have a yeah. completely different narrator. Nice, nice change of pace. I think we're just a little personally burnt out. Love Thompson to death, but he's been super dramatic lately, and we've just listened to too much of his dramatic stuff at once. I think so. Nice change of pace there. The book's a little jarring in audible form. We kind of talked about that ahead a time before we started, and we won't get into it too much, but. Uh, Definitely better than the last book. Mm-hmm. If you're going to listen to it, it, it won't be as bad. <laughs> so the narrator's name is Todd Haber, Habercorn. Habercorn. Yeah, and he didn't sound very familiar. Has he done much? Uh, uh, I mean, I can click on his name. You, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had already done that. My bad. Uh, I <laughs> mean, to put he, you on the spot. No, you're good. He uh, he. I mean, he he has a list. I don't see anything Star Wars wise though. Um, yeah, just a. I mean, a lot of stuff that I, I'm not really familiar with. I will say that I didn't in. I didn't really think that his voice fit as well in the beginning, but it grew on me. It grew yeah. on me as as the book went along. Yeah, he's got he's got quite a quite a thing here. I, nothing I recognize, but yeah, it, I mean, I think that they employed him for a little bit more of the younger because his voice is definitely younger, more reedy, more trebly. Um, yeah, we had a lot of female characters in this too that that kind of helped with, and some younger well, male characters. Essentially, everyone so. is basically a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, kind of weird with uh, Comac, I felt mm-hmm. like, because he's kind of portrayed as a bit of an older, raspier character in the other. Again, that's a Thompson thing. We're just used to that. Sh- so. Sure. And, I mean, we, we did have a we, – we obviously had two Jedi Masters in this, uh, in this book. Comac was one. The other is Cantum Psy who I don't know if this is the first non-binary character, but – they are a non-binary character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I remember the descriptor... Oh, yeah, here's a picture. Uh, they were the one with uh, the mutton chops. <laughs> you remember the... Mm-hmm. I think it was Crash who, who was like... Yeah, I, the What, the long-haired one and the one with the mutton chops or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, that was interesting. And um, yeah... Master was yeah, Yoda. Um, Master was Yoda. Right. 
Yeah, so and he any, learned directly from Yoda, which was pretty neat. It, I, I know we've all had our moments with Yoda, but typically any master uh, that comes from the lineage of Yoda's training is typically really awesome. I mean, think of Windu and Dooku and everything. It's just it's always satisfying to see another one of his uh, pupils, and Cantum uh, did not disappoint at all. No, no, I, I would say I would say not. So. Just to kind of get a little bit into our story, uh, it is largely set on Corellia. So Corellia, as Corellia has always been, is a massive shipbuilding planet. And for the Republic, they're building a lot of their long beam. What did they say at the end? Like 13 engine long beams, you know, 13 mm-hmm. engines. Okay. Got to get a little... little yeah, old little Ram really there. got excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we see... Uh, Ram, uh, who, let me... John Ram. Yeah, John, Johnny Ram, who we didn't really read about. He was in uh, the, what was it, Journey to Crash Point or something mm-hmm. Crash Point. We didn't get into that one. That was uh, definitely a young reader, and I, I think we just kind of skipped it. And that would have been in sort of congruity with uh, Rising Storm. So and we, we briefly I- saw Ram in Rising Storm. But it was, yeah, but it was I will brief. say uh, w- one thing is, in general, all the High Republic books typically do a good job of just uh, briefly summarizing the backstory of a character you might not have known a whole lot about. So, mm-hmm. I mean, jumping into this book, I didn't feel like Ram was this new mysterious character to me. I mean, we got a good yeah bit of detail on him. So Yeah, I would say it, so. It wasn't too jarring not going into that book first. True. So we do start on on uh, Starlight Beacon, and you know we kind of have this congregation of of Padawans, uh, Ram and and Wreath, um, Lula Talasola, and uh, a Force sensitive but not a Padawan, a Zine uh, Marala, mm-hmm. who uh, you know you said you recognized her, and I and I think that the main reason was we were thinking about doing some of the adventure comics, but then we just kind of were like, yeah. nah, it's, that's not, but I think that she was in sort of in those mentioned that she's like mentioned in rising storm. And I might've looked mm. into the character a bit for that yeah, book that after she sense. was mentioned, but yeah, we hadn't really gotten into the adventure series. And after learning about her a bit, it might be something we look at eventually, We've got too much going on right now for that. But. Yeah, maybe. But I, I do think that the backstory is somewhat interesting, basically coming from a culture that using the Force effectively makes you a demon. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, then their planet was a part of the great disaster, and it kind of opened things up a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so we do have a couple of stories here, but we start off at Starlight Beacon, and we're, we're effectively going on missions, and, and one of the missions is that there could be possible Nihil on uh, Corellia. And we meet, uh, we meet Crash, who is a bodyguard in her name. And I don't remember how this is pronounced, uh, so because it's A-L-Y-S, alias Angua, maybe? Yeah, it's only mentioned like once in the entire book. It's like at the end. Yeah, yeah. So barely caught it. Right. Now, she is Corellian. 
She grew up as like a bodyguard in the bodyguard business. Her mother ran a bodyguard uh, outfit on Corellia. She had just taken over like a year prior with this, yeah, with this outfit, right? And uh, you know, they're tasked with bodyguarding for all the big wigs, and, and essentially, we open this book up with two of her her members, uh, two of her her you know body bodyguard garters. <laughs> uh, Prybolt and I have no idea what the other guy's name is. It wasn't really important. Um, no offense, but De- uh, Death Stick guy. Yeah, the, oh, that's right. I forgot about the. Yeah, they actually had Death Sticks. Um, but effectively, a job gone wrong, and we think Prybolt is killed. We later learn that he indeed was, and there are Nihil here, and seemingly one of the founding fathers of Corellia, uh, or. Was it founding? It wasn't founding fathers. It wasn't. Was, fu- it was uh, like city fathers or something. Yeah, city father. Whatever, and uh, is presumably taken. So this footage that was taken by uh, Prybolt uh, made its way to uh, Starly Beacon, and the Jedi that are on Corellia have been all busy. They've been sidetracked. There's nobody available. So we send uh, Wreath Silas, Comac, uh, Ram, and uh, Cantum to Corellia to see what they can do. And they're met with resistance, the, uh, the whatever the town mayor or what, whatever, the, whatever that prime minister, whatever title they have. Um, very resistant to help. Uh, there's a lot negotiations, of... Negotiations weren't good. No, they weren't good at all. <laughs> And seemingly, we're pretty fast into the action. Ram and Wreath kind of go off on their own. They meet Crash. Crash kind of uses them a little bit. You know, she gives them the one credit, you know, because Jedi don't take money. Um, and they're kind of going undercover a bit. Uh, there was at one point where they were... I don't remember what the, the, the title was, but they were like these, these cult children... Who, yeah. who apparently had their tongues yeah. ripped out like the red, something skulls or, or whatever. Was it something skull or whatever? The red skull. Chi- I, don't I don't know. I don't remember. It yeah. doesn't, you know, it was, it was a brief like passing reference that I'm sure means something somewhere else, but I, I don't care enough about it to care. <laughs> um, it was a disguise for the, for the sake of the book. And which I, I do think is interesting. So we have Padawans kind of going off on their own. The Masters kind of going off on their own. And Which is odd, don't you think? It is a little odd, but we do realize that Comac has been having some trouble here. He's been having some trouble ever since the, you know, well, really rising storm, the, the, the uh, fair, fair disaster. And he and Reith have been, you know, sparring over and over again. Reith is getting better. Comac isn't. Comac's talking a lot with, you know, Orla Jereni, who's we know is a way seeker. And there, there are seemingly some doubts that are rising in, in Comac's mind that he just can't seem to get past. And throughout Which the Which is something interesting just to bring up Orla in general. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it seem like this book was kind of uh disjarring on when they start talking about Orla's death? Mm-hmm. Or was that just me? Yeah, it kind of seemed yeah. like it was before the disaster really occurred in Falling Star that they really started talking about it. It's just odd timing. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I can see where you're going with that. Um, 
But just to continue, Cantum does help. I think they really do help Comac. Yes. Quite a bit. Yes, definitely. Uh, just kind of uh, their backstory alone helped him, well, not to jump too far ahead, obviously, but yeah, just helped him make a lot of decisions. Anyway. And, oh, were you? <laughs> it okay. was Honestly, it was probably my favorite part of the book. Yeah, same here. Um, I kind of wish we would have gotten a little more reaction out of Wreath, which seemed kind of weird. He was pretty quiet about it. Of course, it was right at the end, like seven minutes left in the book, I think. Sure. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so do you want to just go ahead and throw it out there? Yeah, might as well. I mean, uh, effectively, um, Cantum was uh, an apprentice of Yoda, and they were having doubts. They met a uh, an acrobat in a traveling circus and fell in love in quote you know in quotations mm-hmm. you know you know how that can be. And they decided that maybe their path wasn't with the Jedi. Maybe, maybe this was they weren't coming up with answers. And Yoda effectively said, you know, you got to give yourself to the Force. You know, you you you've you've got to kind of give it up to the force and just flow, sort of, is, is the way I took it. Well, throughout this story, they leave the Jedi Order, effectively. Leaves a saber with Yoda. And then for I think, did they say a year? It was like a year, right? Yeah. For yeah. a year, kind of go off with the circus. Well, the acrobat who I don't remember his name, although I remember it starts with an A. I want to say like Antar or Antum or something like that, but it, yeah. does, it doesn't matter. It's it's a passing character. That character, well, they part. They part ways eventually, but but um, Cantum, I, I keep having to like look at that name. I don't know why it doesn't stick, stick in my head. Yeah. But Cantum is very accepting of this. It's like, yeah, I, I guess it is time. Well, upon continuing to sort of travel, and I thought this was kind of a, a weird, weirder part of the story, but okay, uh, comes across uh, some orphans playing in a field. And two of the orphans were taken by a bird, like a... That Yoda was kind of taken care of, essentially... Well, I think that was later. That that was a little later on. That that wasn't was that yeah. That, was that not the same beast? No, okay. no, no. Yeah, Yoda did okay. have some something that were anyway. We'll talk. I guess we'll talk about that. It was kind of gross, but um. So this bird vulture thing takes two of the kids, a boy and a girl, and Cantum. I didn't have to look it up that time. I almost did though. Uh, What's the last name? Sorry, I remember that because <laughs> okay. it's two letters. It's that's why. Um, runs after and long story short is able to with the force save the girl. However, and interestingly enough, the boy also survives because the girl mimicking, mimicking Cantum suspends the boy's fall because the bird drops him. That's how the Mm -hmm. bird like kills people. I guess it drops you on rocks and eats you, I guess. And it gobbles you up. It's like a fairy tale thing. Um, so we learn that this young girl is Lula Talasola, who is uh, basically been a character in the 
adventure comics as well. We don't know much. I don't know much about her. I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, and not knowing much about her because I I don't either. Yeah, you know, I didn't read the comics on my own. Very interesting character. Um, Extremely I'm, interesting character. I'm really excited to see what they do with this character because seemingly super overpowered. Well, think think about Just that. A, a prodigy. Yeah, strictly on instinct and based upon literally believing, like pure belief that oh, I see this person can suspend my movement i'm going to do the same thing and literally having enough pure belief obviously an affinity to the force but but without knowing it instinct and pure belief is able to save her her little friend that yeah, is which not getting into anything super super heavy like kind of makes you question a child with obviously a big affinity with the force mm-hmm realistically is stronger than even Yoda because of just pure belief. Like you don't have to even question for a second. You can do this. So it's just a matter of what your power level is at that point. And I, and I think that that it, it does kind of go into this whole, why we don't take older children or older people in general. Yeah. Because that, that belief that you can do it through the force is probably gone. You're more realistic, but this, mm-hmm. this kid off the charts. So, Cantum brings the child back to Yoda. And this is where we get this weird scene where one of whatever Yoda's <laughs> watching pops out like four, four babies. And he's like, for some suspending them all yeah. until the mother can fly again. And then the babies are flying, even though they're literally newborn. <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember that at all, but anyway, and then yeah. like the, the kid takes over holding some of them because Cantum's coming in like, Hey, this is my new apprentice or whatever. Yeah, but I think that the the fun thing about this story is is that this is conceivably the force leading Cantum to Lula, or mm-hmm. you know. So that's a really cool sort of tie-in where if you if you kind of trust your instincts and you go with the universal flow the force will eventually point you where you need to be. So Cantum comes back. Yeah. They are knighted, uh, which is something that they were still an apprentice, but were well but above everyone else around them. And Yoda had held it back. Right. And Yoda yeah. held him back, held them back uh, because effectively he knew that this sort of doubt needed to do this. was in their head. Have this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. And they had some big, some big heavy topics brought up with this. Um, one of them being like a, accepting that you don't necessarily have to pick a path because mm-hmm. that can actually mm-hmm. limit you in a way that, yep. you know, the force wouldn't be in line with. And on top of that, I don't know about you, but I personally loved Yoda's discussion with what it's like to train a Padawan and being willing to let go, yeah, but also love them in their own way, especially after the. I mean, we've dealt with in some media Yoda being just almost cold towards love in a way that he just forces everyone not to accept it as an emotion, and in this book he actually not only acknowledges it but in a way shows you a pure form of it that doesn't cause so much destruction and hatred. I mean, he essentially loves this uh, person enough to 
let them go on their own path, whether that brings them back to the Jedi or not, and accept that he's done all he can for them. Yeah, and uh, I think that this bleeds in the adage that, or, or sort of the, the cautionary tale of if you could live forever, would you? Because at the end of the day, the years pass, people die. People that yeah. you've cared about, that you know that you, you have loved, that you've poured everything into, die, and you continue. And Yoda, what was he? Was over nine hundred years old when he finally died, or something like that? If I remember. Yeah, I mean, correctly. imagine how much loss he dealt with over yeah. the years. <laughs> so yeah, I, I could see how Yoda could definitely turn as you, and you see it, you see it just generally. Older people have a different outlook than they did when they were younger. You know, loss of invincibility or the thought of invincibility, uh, cherish people passing, so on and so forth. So th- there's a lot to that. And it is kind of nice seeing this side of Yoda because I actually think that this Yoda is much wiser, perhaps, than he yeah. he became. Much less uh, prone to melancholy. Uh, mm-hmm. Much less prone to uh, kind of... Yoda almost seemed a little judgy at times too. I mean, like when he was training Luke, dude, Luke is, you know, he's a young man. He, he, he has, he hasn't known about the force and yes, he's going to make all these mistakes. And, you know, even in like an in, in empire where Luke goes off and he's like, you know, Obi-Wan was saying, he's like, you know, that boy was our, our last hope. He's like, no, wait, there's another. Oh, it's like, you've already moved on. How about you trust yeah. in trust in Luke? But that being said, he also lived through the reign of Anakin, um, turning into Vader. He he was kind of defeated by the Emperor. I always I always viewed that fight as a bit of a tie, like no one could. Well, it was one of those things where it had to happen the way it happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. truthfully, because what else could happen? Yeah, the story's already been written. Very true. <laughs> So yeah, I, I did enjoy the, this sort of depiction of Yoda. It was it was fun. He seemed obviously a bit more youthful, a little more playful. Yeah. It was it was cool. Yeah, and honestly, not to get into a big discussion, but it kind of made me think. You know, no one really thinks about it a lot. I th- I would wager, but Yoda was Grandmaster right at the end of his life cycle, and we we've been kind of crapping on Yoda a bit. A lot of people have. And this series, I think, is trying to really backpedal a little bit and fix Yoda in a way, which I'm fine with. I mean, I want Yoda to be fixed. I used to love him growing up. But it makes you wonder, was he Grandmaster at the wrong point of his life? Well, I I would just say to that that you can still, you can have periods of your life where you are awesome. You have periods of your life where you're not. It all just depends on the experiences that you have had. And I think fundamentally the Jedi Council, when we get in the prequel era, was just fundamentally flawed. And they Mm -hmm. had lost their way, which led into this, in my opinion, balancing of the Force, as it were, up until when Luke was able to, well, Vader was able to defeat the Emperor. But between the two of them, they defeated the Emperor. Mm-hmm. So, and that's another form of balance. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of hope that we just kind of get like a Yoda book. I don't think we will, but I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I, 
and I would I would argue a Yoda book in this. I would like to see two Yoda books. I would like to see one from this generation. I'd like to see one chronicling everything he went through. Maybe even three. Maybe a prequel era and a, you know, leading up to training Luke era. Mm. Yeah, I think that'd maybe. be interesting. But but mainly I'd like to see his, uh, I'd like to see more of his outlook on life in the High Republic era. It's It's seemingly pretty good. Yep, for sure. So let's kind of backtrack just a little bit. So we've met our, a lot of our characters. We've sort of set the stage here. And we get a lot of Nihil interference in Corellia. You know, we have some mass casualty events. We've got some general sort of tomfoolery out there. And I don't necessarily want to skip around a lot, but like... It's disjointed in a way. You know, well, it, it, we have it, some flashbacks that don't really feel very organized, and a lot's happening, so it's hard not to. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I don't, I, I don't really know where to pick off because, like, a, a lot of the early stuff with like Crash and Ra- uh, Wreath and Ram was kind of all building up to the party later and i think that at the party is where it started to kind of be a little bit more interesting for me if i'm being yeah, honest I mean, with I, you i would say everything everything up to the party and even part of the party is just a way to bond crash with our you know apprentices and uh it, it's not that they weren't bad scenes i just don't know how much you can really go over it how much it's worth going over, I should say. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, we kind of explain a little bit of the political system of Corellia, how, you know, Crash is basically like bodyguarding for everybody. It doesn't matter. Um, I didn't find the name of her singer friend. Uh, do you remember uh, her name? Because I don't remember. And I remember looking through the list here, and I, I just nothing stuck out to me uh, as being that person. Uh, that's tough. That is tough. Because effectively, yeah. we we uh, Crash's friend is a is kind of a celebrity, so to speak, younger singer. Uh, her family had this sort of industrial, well, it was completely industrial music uh, from where they came from. And I believe she had like four arms too, if I remember correctly, multiple arms. Um, It always seemed to like float around and everything. But they had this whole deal where wherever they were from, it was very industrial and they recorded her singing to kind of the the beat of the machinery. So they started this traveling family band type of deal. And they had like their instruments were like gears and stuff. They were like, they, they even like categorize them as like greasy instruments, you know? So it was kind of like this almost like steampunky mechanical band with like a singer who can hit all these crazy notes and all that. So that was that was kind of interesting, and th- there was even one uh, one part in the very beginning, even before uh, Crash met 
wreath and ram where in order to kind of drum up business, she had set up her friend to like, look like she was attempting, uh, she looked basically like there was an attempted assassination, but it was really crashes goons to capture like media attention. It's like, Oh, no, and don't forget to say, you know, you were protected by blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, you know, that was kind of, kind of fun, I guess, in a way. Um, and we also learn a little bit more about these, uh, you know, sort of sewer worms, which we first saw in solo lady Proxima. And in, in, in this particular, they're the, the, the Garavolt, uh, is, is the sort of clan here. And Fastidima was the kind of matron of, of this particular clan. And, we learn that they are basically in charge of the waterways of Corellia. That is their, their purview. That's the agreement that they have with Corellia in general. So anything underneath is, is all theirs. And it also makes that scene in solo a little bit more meaningful when he chucks a rock at the window and the sun comes out because apparently it's not just their sensitive delight. They can literally disintegrate by too much. I wish they would have, uh, Wish they would have actually done that with one of the one of the guards or something. Well, that was the implication for Prybolt because when, when we got when he was attacked by the Nihil, you know his suit was damaged and he started to kind of burn. But they didn't really go through that the whole way because I think they wanted to make it ambiguous towards the end. And, yeah. And another thing about our, uh, our our species here, which are. Grindelids. Um, now, is it is it Grindelid? Is the young, the name of the young? No, Gr- Grind- Grindelid is the or? is the species. Their family okay. name is Garvold. Okay. So the Grindelid are like intensely mob like. So if you, it's like vendetta. So if you kill one of us, we have to kill somebody responsible in kind. So it's like. Even when when we get through to this, Fastidima kind of uh, blames Crash. He's like, look, if you don't find the real killer, then we're going to blame you because you were in charge of him, and either way, we've got to have somebody. So that was kind of an interesting sort of mob tie-in there a little bit with the Greenwoods. So I I guess let's kind of continue. Do you just want to get to the party? Because the ending is really kind of where it's at for me. Yeah, yeah, sure. So eventually I'm we... I'm still trying to find this singer's name, by the way, yeah. as we're talking about yeah. it. It's driving Keep me insane trying. now. So we eventually get to this this massive kind of party of, of all the Corellian elite. And there was a part in here where they... It was like a joke where they were all wearing like Nihil gas masks and everything, kind of making a, a well, a joke of it. And we, we do have our, our Crash's rival who is technically in charge of security, um, but she was also there with her people and, and all that. And this is kind of where it starts to hit the fan because the guy who we thought was killed in the beginning, our founding whatever, our father whatever, was actually in league with the Nihil all the time. He made a deal with the Nihil because he thought that the Republic was done. So he jumps up here and starts trying to, you know, pop off and kill people. 
And then the rival bodyguard actually takes the shot, you know, to the head. It wasn't even like uh, it's not survival. He's dead. They they yeah. wanted him <laughs> dead. They even said, <laughs> and man, they uh, they focused on his death for a while. Like Crash was like just staring at the body and stuff. Yeah. Well, there was a part where it's like one of the bolts had scorched his skull, exposing yeah, what was cracked left of his, his skull and his brain showing. It's like. Yeah. Young adult novel. Oh my god, novel. this is a young teen's novel. Yeah, young oh adult. All right. Well, um, so we have we have uh, that attempt going down, and then we start really kicking off into effectively what I'll call the Battle of Corellia, because there are a massive amount of Nihil here. It's not a cell. It's not four people. It's like an army, which again, we've discussed where are all the Nihil being recruited from. It was never implied that they were this big in the beginning, but all of a sudden now they're like the biggest thing in the galaxy, which is strange yeah, and to we, me. We have some mentions in our last book, the numbers it's, it's in the thousands. And e- even to that extent, you question, how much they could do realistically. But yeah. again, that all goes back to the fact that the Republic has no standing military to actually do anything. They're just yeah. relying on separate planets to take care of themselves, which is pathetic. Well, here's a question. Corellia is where your ships are being built. Why is there not a Republic presence here? Yeah, why is there a police force of maybe 150 to defend realistically the mo- one of the most important planets other than maybe like a bacta planet <laughs> well we already had that attack didn't we yeah and we had no defense there either and and the thing is is that this isn't outer rim corelli is mid rim or it's not a core is it a core world no it's uh, well in the uh description for this it's core world yeah is it a core core world I didn't think it was until I read that, but um, let's actually let's let's discover. Uh, of course, that's not what I want. It might be mid rim. I thought it was might be mid. I thought it was mid rim, but it, you know it, it's very possible that it was. No, it's core. It's a core world. Is it core? Yeah. So, the, uh, you know, we're in the core. And and I think that that was one of the, the naiveties of the Republic. It's like, oh, the Nihil would never dive this deep into our territory. It's like, yes, they would. What, what, what don't you understand about this? Yeah. Not only will they dive that deep, they'll also take out your precious space station in the same week. Yeah. Here's <laughs> like, the other thing. At what point? And I'll tell you what. If, if we don't get an actual violent response from the Republic after these two events, then let the Republic fall because they're yeah. a bunch of wimps at that point. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit, but also Corellia, why don't, why isn't there like a military force? Why doesn't Corellia have a military force, like an actual military, like responsive force? You would think right. that they and would. And they even go the- far as to say like, they describe this police force they have and how easily it was infiltrated. It's like, well, yeah, it's a police force. This isn't, I mean, the Nihil are kind of well past the point of dealing with a police force at this point. I'm surprised it didn't such a covert way. Yeah. They would easily wipe out any police force. Exactly. (laughs) So really let's just get to the big payout. So the big payout was the Nihil wanted to steal 
the long beams so that they could fly out to Starlight Beacon and wreak havoc with everybody there, you know, first responders, which first responder is such a modern term. I did yeah. find it a little bit strange thinking about first responders, like when I first heard it, because right now we, we kind of think of first responders as, you know, police, firefighters, you know, all that, which is what you would have here, but we're in space. It just seems right. like an interesting word to use I, and words, you know, words can be interesting. But anyway, so the idea was completely destroy whatever we have left, probably the planet, anybody responding to it because we're friends. It's like a Trojan horse thing. And our Jedi and a kind of a small ish ragtag force of Krellians, our bodyguard group, we had one ship, aerial ship. I think it was only one. And then even a master shipbuilder who had a mech suit. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we forgot to talk about Ram's talking rat clan. Yes, the the three or four that he has by the end of the book. <laughs> and I didn't even realize at the first listen through that he had a couple with him already before the one that they, they like saved from the, the starlet that tries to eat one of them. Mm-hmm. And they're sentient beings. They so talk. Like she gets, yeah. And so she gets arrested by essentially PETA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's which it's, was out of nowhere. It was hilarious. Like, and that that was just to backtrack. That was the the first the, the first job that Ram and Reith uh, did with Crash. It was undercover, trying to implicate this uh, this one. I don't remember who they were, but. Um, they eat the rat. She was people. a singer. Yeah, she oh, was a singer. Oh, that's right. As well. Yeah, it was the singer that was supposed to perform at the party, so they had to get her out of yeah. the way to get Crash's friend in there. Um, but yeah, so she wanted to eat the rat, and as soon as you went to eat the rat, the cops come in. Hut, 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 hut. You can't eat rats. You're going to jail for a long time, lady. Well, what do you we- can't do this? I just did. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> cheesy, but it was it was fun. Um. So anyway, we have an all-out battle in the shipyards. The Jedi are kind of a bit overwhelmed. Uh, the Corellian forces, the bodyguards, the whole nine yards, and Crash is, Crash is basically in the sewers, um, essentially kind of uh, looking for our traitor uh, and some of the Nihil that went into the sewers. And I got to say, you know, we, we talked about young adult novel. There's a lot of violence in here. There, there's a lot of... Very drownings in, in, and uh, ex- <laughs> causing the detonation of thermal grenades mm-hmm. to take out like a dozen people at once. Yeah, and- uh, just just a lot of shoot and, and kind of discussing the feeling behind killing as well. There was a yeah, lot of that, especially with Wreath. Yes, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And and even it, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Ram, just the character of Ram too here in a second. But it, it, it just it definitely did seem like it was it was very descriptive, probably more descriptive than a young adult novel I would typically think that you would see personally. That's just me. Um, yeah. But we don't get any real major deaths. Uh, the one guy's name who sounds like Barf, I just remember that line in the in the book. <laughs> he was he was yeah, lit which up. Is, which is funny because I don't remember his character. Like, when I was finishing the book, I didn't remember his character. I just thought he showed up. In the reread, you realize that, like, he's replacing Prybolt on this mission, yeah. and Crash just thinks he's a total idiot. He's useless. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then he just dies. It's it's awesome. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, we had a Lasat. Did you catch that? Yes. Yes. That was an interesting I don't mention. remember the name. Doesn't matter. They weren't a big character. They were working for the rival and, and Crash was going to try and poach him. But that was interesting that we see a Lasat here. Because the yeah. only time we ever really see those is in Rebels. And seemingly their planet was destroyed. There weren't very many of them left. Um, but I thought that was kind of a, a neat little tie-in, albeit extremely small. Yeah. So during our battle here, uh, Reith, is, Reith is hit a few times. Ram stows him aboard a ship. Um, and even Comac. Comac then proceeds took a, to blow up that ship. No. Well, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Comac takes a lot of damage. Um, everybody, everybody Can- is Canton gets messed up pretty bad too. Like she's burned. Yeah. yeah. Burnt like some bones split. Yeah. Whatnot. There's like this big javelin sword that she takes some damage from, from one of the bigger guys, mm-hmm. but like she decapitates them. So again, super violent look. Yeah. yeah. Very, very violent. But anyway, so wreath is stowed aboard a ship. One of the ships, uh, is able to take off and Ram, kind of knowing what to do, uh, takes a... Pulls an Anakin. Yeah, basically. <laughs> takes It was like a drill ship. It was some old yeah. old ship that was built for speed, had a drill front end, rams it into yeah, the it long beam. Yeah, it was like a discontinued because mm-hmm. it was too dangerous or some Yeah, it was, it was just, thing. it was solely built for speed. But ram rams it into the long beam that's taking off, takes over that long beam, takes out a few Nihil, and then crashes it into the second long beam that contains Wreath, who is effectively darn near incapacitated, but he was able to get get away, which, to be honest, I don't remember how he got away. I just know that he did. I he, assume escape pod. He ran know. into the, the one lady who killed Prybolt, and like he, he force pushes the whole group away, and then he just Anyways. dashes off right. somehow. Yeah, so he survives um, that encounter, but everybody everybody's battered, everybody's beaten, and seemingly the good guys are about to lose. The gas is being released. There's like waves and waves of Nihil, and then from the mist, we even get a moment where Canton's like saying goodbye to Ram. Well, she, yeah, I mean, Ram was on a suicide mission anyway, but yeah, that was, ooh, that was a kind of a feel, feeling moment. That was moment. rough, because at one point, it's like, well, which one's going to die? Yeah, and Ram knew it, too. Ram knew yeah. exactly the significance of those words, uh, that last, you know, may the force be with you. But in the midst of all the destruction, possible loss, from the mist, from the, the clearing smoke comes, oh, and by the way, um, so Comac can totally blow away the gas. <coughs> Stellan, <laughs> Stellan Geos can't, can't even get through the gas. Anyway. Yeah, and if you're focusing on power scaling, Comac can't even beat Wreath in a sparring match. So You never talk about power scaling in Star Wars because it's <laughs> irrelevant. Obi-Wan yes, Kenobi is. is the greatest Jedi of all time. Why? Because he has defeated everyone who has came against him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> is he? He cannot be hit. He, he, <laughs> it's not he, because he he's the best duelist. He just can't be hit. He <laughs> wins. Um, so anyway, from the smoke comes the little green man himself. Master Yoda shows up out of just why? Because he can. 
And he is yeah. he he because he's been gone for a long time, and everyone yep. thinks he's gone forever. Foreshadowing. Well, the thing <laughs> is, people think he could be dead. Yeah, which is odd because, and, and I think even Canton mentions this at one point. They would have felt that. Yeah. Although at the same time, they even have a they have a moment later on in this book where they finally realize that Jorah is gone, mm-hmm. and the explosion. Of mm-hmm. starlight crashing. Yep. And everyone finally realizes, like, oh, yeah, that person hasn't really, I haven't sensed them for a while. Yeah. yeah. And that, They're I mean, that, that's the thing. Could you feel it? Maybe if you were super high connected. stress situation, they're dealing with a lot. Maybe they just didn't notice it. Yeah, more than likely. So Yoda wreaks some havoc here. Everybody kind of gets a second wind. And Yoda's like impaling people left and right. Oh, he did. He, he's never minded murder. Never. Yeah. He is ready well, to I mean, kill. geez, have you ever just left Revenge of a Sith on loop on DVD? I mean, he's just killing like a million freaking clone troopers, he man. He enjoys <laughs> it. He is the apex predator for a reason. Um, so that was really neat to see. And then the after effects of the battle were interesting because we get... There's a lot more to talk about, but just to summarize sort of the end of the story so we can get to a couple of other themes I want to talk about, we get the knighting of Wreath Silas. We get the walking away of Comac. He is no longer a Jedi. Which was like a bigger hit than half the deaths in the last book we read. That was a huge hit, but I think think for him, more than likely it's going to be a Wayseeker path. More like Orla. Yeah, Orla I would Jure. agree with that. That's what I would probably yeah, and say. I would, I, I would like to see eventually maybe a jump forward in time or something. We'll or see, just down we'll the see line him again. Where he ends up training somebody or helping guide someone yeah. down the right path. I think we'll, we'll definitely see him again, or at least I, I hope. I think it would be a mistake not to show him again. Yeah, especially with how much they showed off how badass he is yes. in this book. I mean, he is... He didn't get the best, you know, he, he wasn't center stage in any book he's been in except for this one. But he was just on point this entire book. He's just so cool. Well, he was bookish. He was studious. Uh, wise. He, very wise. He, he also kind of seemed to have a taste for adventure. They wanted to go off constantly, do missions and so forth. Honestly, aside from kind of the, the blip in the beginning where they he and Wreath couldn't really talk to each other, he really was the perfect master for Wreath because they 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 were able to sort of funnel off of each other. The o- again, the only negative was that they towards the end they couldn't talk, but ultimately uh, he was able to re- knight Wreath and set him on his journey, and now he's got another path to follow. Now the only other interesting thing I thought here was Yoda brings somebody cloaked with him that we don't really get to know anything about. They're so, singing their little song. They'll do what they can. They'll do what they they must. Yeah. And in the end, they'll all turn to dust. And the other thing is that Yoda says we have to start learning from the past. Mm-hmm. So what is the past? And we don't identify the gender or species of this character. We never see their face. Nope. And the only thing they ever say is this little nursery rhyme, essentially. Yeah. 
so I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about that as we go forward. But that was kind of an interesting thing. I don't have any speculation to put on that because this is all new, um, new literature. But uh, Darth Kraya. <laughs> no, I'm no. kidding. Plagueis. The go- it's Plagueis. Plagueis. It's Plagueis. It's Plagueis. <laughs> so we get a lot of goodbyes here. Um between you know our Padawans and 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 Crash and everybody's kind of saying goodbye and we we are going towards our new journey, crisis averted, bigger crisis at Starlight's averted, and Yoda wants to double back to Coruscant. He's like, we need there's we're in trouble. We need to go back to Coruscant. So this is this is kind of where where we're leaving off now there were a couple things i wanted to pick up on before we kind of give our our reviews and some opinions maybe we can get out here let's talk about ram a little bit ram's story kind of starts with him being effectively numb i feel like he's a bit shell shock a little bit of ptsd a little bit of uh you know just general shock uh, he's not feeling anything, and throughout the book, he is feeling everything at times. It's like it's it's like classic trauma response, um, because he almost yeah. And I would also argue that he might be a pretty empathic Jedi, mm-hmm. maybe like a oh, our Wookie, <laughs> yeah, Buriaga, Buriaga, where he feels everything so immensely that maybe just this this huge shock of pain and trauma just cuts him off in a way, not from the force, but just, it, it just numbs him. Like you said, and right. he's not able to process it. Well, the other thing too, is he's not just feeling the living. He's also feeling the mechanical. Cause there was a part in here before he crashes the ships where he could almost feel the ships. So he, he's touching things at a level that I don't think, most Jedi get to, and he's doing it at kind of a level of not really understanding it. But I thought it was interesting that he's he's feeling inanimate objects. He's feeling yeah, the Force vibrate through mention... them as well. Which, j- just last thing here, the Force we've always been told is kind of a generated by all living things. So how would mm-hmm. a non-living piece of machinery have? that sort of effect on a Jedi. Yeah. It kind of makes you wonder if it's one of those things where, uh, you know, getting back into things that don't exist anymore. When Luke's finally able to deal with the Yuzen Vong just by feeling the force around an entity that isn't mm-hmm. of the force. Yeah. If it's the same thing going on with Ram. And Maybe. I think it's Ram. They mention, uh, he causes an, an overheat scenario in this one part of a ship that ends up burning a ton of Naha. Is that him? Well, before that, he fries a couple of communicators at that party when he starts yes, to freak out. Yes, and the descriptions of, of that are very, very detailed, which is cool because it just goes back to his character, what he actually uh, feels in the process of dealing with, you know, inanimate inanimate objects and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It could be canon breaking. It could be something that they really need to watch. But it's it's different, and it is interesting. I would be interested to learn more about Ram's journey as well. And isn't it kind of ridiculous that we find some of these Padawans more 
entertaining or more interesting than some of our masters. Yeah, I mean, between Wreath and Belzettafar, um I'm throwing Ram in there. Ram and... Uh, Vernestra. Vernestra and the comic girl. Oh, you mean the, the, the other Lula? The, the, oh, the dual Keeve. Keeve. Yeah. I mean, the, these characters have been a lot more interesting to me than like Sarek Tarek and quite a few of the masters, <laughs> even, I hate to say. <clears throat> what? Yeah, Stellan. Which, funny fact, unlike, mo- maybe I just don't pay enough attention, but uh, in the Wikipedia for this, there's actually a, um, there's a lore mess up where apparently uh, Sarek and Tarek are mentioned as Jedi Masters in this book, which is wrong. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to see them actually acknowledge a mess up in the, the lore. Those, du- those dudes are catatonic right now. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, these apprentices, it kind of makes you feel like, I mean, are we going to have a cleanse at some point where all the masters are eventually killed off and we don't have anyone left and we just follow the Padawans trying to... We're, we're priming along, the next generation. Along, along with Yoda just starting over. <laughs> Wait, was that Yoda's plan? He's the one who kills all the masters to create his own order. He's controlling all of the uh, the levelers. He's leveling oh the God. playing field. Okay. All <laughs> he right. was there from the beginning. From the beginning. Okay. <laughs> Next theme I want to talk about. The level of relationships in this book. Why is it? That the we, level, of, not even the level of relationships, I'd argue, it's the level of sexuality. Y- yes, yes, yes. In yes, the yes, relationships yes. in this More book. specifically, yes. Why is it that we have to have every character romantically involved or romantically thinking about every other character? Look, this isn't a slam on any of the like LGBTQ whatever relationships. That's fine. We've never we've never said anything bad about representation, and that's great. But the, more most specifically, the crash and singer thing, I did not see that coming at all. Like at all, yeah. I thought of crash as like a non-sexual entity. Okay, this was just you know a badass character who is a bodyguard who is wading through the muck of Corellia. And who is made this connection with these young Padawans and she's like, she's a planner. She can fight. She knows what's right and wrong. Like she's just a great character. And then all of a sudden we have this scene with the singer. It's like, well, could it be more? It's like, could what, what be more? Why can't you just be friends? Like just be great friends. Well, even the singer makes the comment like, Regardless of whatever happens, it needs to be rooted in friendship first. Like, well, sure. why don't you start it with friendship in a book and then yeah. jump into it in another book? Which I'll tell you what is a great lesson, though, for for relationships, because great relationships do oftentimes start with friendship. You you have to have a foundation to build a relationship on or potentially you're just on pillar salt. So. Yeah. Which is something we see with a lot of these Jedi relationships because most of them are just lust-based. They're just lust, because, solely. Because they, they, they're, 
They're horny teenagers. I'm sorry. They are all going to yeah. attach to someone at some point, and they make the comment multiple times in the last book and uh, Falling Star how, you know, masters would just separate them, and yep. then they'd eventually work it out, grow up, and they'd get past it. Yeah. And, you know, not all of these relationships in these books are like that, and some of them aren't even Jedi-based, which is fine, mm-hmm. but... Well, let, let, uh, let's. Here, here's my thing. In yeah. my space opera, I don't care as much about every person's relationship. Not really. It, it is fine to mention this person is with this person. This person has children. This person is married. This person is not. This person, their spouse was murdered. That's one thing. But to dive in to multiple relationships, multiple romantic relationships in one book where I'm more interested in what's happening with the Nihil, what's happening with the Jedi, and what's happening with this great leveler and the Drengear, it just takes away from it. It's not a romance novel. Yeah, and and we'll list the relationships, but the one thing I said before we started, I thought that the greatest sort of uh, case in point for relationships in this was our, I forgot their name again, Cantum, <laughs> was Cantum's, lesson in that relationship and having this great year and then it's over and then you move on that honestly was was it's focusing more on how they actually grew as a person yes not the relationship itself true true but but it also explored this theme that we started to poke at about jedis and having relationships you know, as, as young younglings or, or as Padawans or whatever. So that was all I really needed, but let's run down the list of relationships. We have, uh, we've got Lula and Zine, which maybe that was more evident in their other literature, but that kind of came out of nowhere. Cause I actually thought that Zine was more interested in Ram in a way and like Ram playing the oblivious character. But then that turned we have, I mean, we've had Wreath and like Dan, and there was kind of like some hink, slight. I think you pointed out more than I got it, but like Ram or uh, Wreath and and maybe Crash, Crash, Crash yeah. and and uh, uh, Prybolt. I thought that was more of a thing than it was. I will also say that I think there were heavy hints for uh, Comac and and uh, Orla. I thought that and that Comac and. Canton almost kind of honestly kind of in the a way, way that they bonded yeah I mean I thought that that was more healthy bonding but I could I could see how the inference is there and then you know crash and the singer um who, who else who else did we explore was that about it it just seemed We're like probably every, forgetting somebody but yeah, yeah I it think just seemed so. like every character had to have a relationship and it's like look it's padding yeah look I get it I understand what the aim is. I just felt that that the relations, the number of relationships felt a little heavy handed. That was the only thing that might have been my only criticism of the book really was why does everybody have to be in a relationship? Do, do we have to have all that? Yeah. And like I said, I well, really enjoyed uh, I, I really enjoyed Cantum's whole story. I liked the whole thing. Yeah. But the crash thing felt out of place for me. And I think maybe the hints of Orla and and Comac, I found that more intriguing in a way. Yeah, which, I mean, it's intriguing, but at the same time, 
it, it's done. I mean, there's yeah. not much else you can really. You can go flashback, sure, but there's no development at this point. Obviously, Orla's gone, so. <sighs> that was a dumb decision. Sorry, Claudia. I did not like that. I would have liked to have seen they, her. They survive. killed off too many. You know, and I understand. Let her be the to, one that was catatonic. You go to Game of Thrones, you go to all these other shows where they kill off a lot of characters. You can still replace them, but I feel like the amount of characters they killed off in that book compared to the amount of characters they can replace them with that are actually high quality wasn't balanced very well. Well, look, you could have let uh, Orla be the one who was in the coma and then yeah. eventually let let her come back to the order and be Bell's master. Like, my God, how far could Bell advance with Orla Jereni as a master? And no offense yeah, no to kidding. no offense to Loden. Loden was great, but he's gone. And his current master is is the one in the coma. coma. Was that Indira Stokes? Yeah, Stokes, yeah. I don't know anything about Indira Stokes. I don't know anything about her. I don't know no I don't nothing. Nothing. nothing the book didn't set anything up. For her at all. Yeah. So anyway, the relationship thing I felt was a, a little bit heavy handed. That's just my opinion. But it, it had nothing to do with with anything aside from just having a lot of relationships that it just didn't make much sense to me. Aside maybe from that was one. Maybe they're trying to appeal to the young adult audience with that. And I I can get it. Yeah. I can get it. It's Horny edgy. Teenagers. You know, we're we're talking about sex and stuff in a book, sure. and will they or won't they? And sure, that's all that the <laughs> clearly the only thing that these young adults care about is decapitation and sex. So let's put that in our book. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I could. And see And let's that. create characters literally just for there to be a relationship. Yeah, I guess. So. I think the only other thing is, where do we think this will go next? Where do you think it'll go next? Look, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Between Starlight and this, if we don't have an all-out full frontal assault on the Nihil... Full frontal? Full frontal. (laughs) Man, going commando. But... Magic Mike. What? I don't know. See, see, the problem is we almost have to have another setup book because we don't even know where the Nihil are. We don't even know who the Eye is. Well, I guess now we know well, we who know the who Eye the is eye because is. the announcement. Yeah, yeah. They they are just now learning who the Eye is. We Correct. don't know where they are, how to deal with it. So, unfortunately, they're all on the defensive, which I understand that makes it more difficult. But we have hyperspace, and we have the ability to respond to an attack a little bit quicker than what anyone actually does in this universe. And it just kind of pisses me off how weak the Republic is. And like I said, you can't rely on every separate planet to deal with the Nihil. Mm -hmm. They're not a big threat. They're just too big for a single planet to deal with. The Nihil could be easily eradicated. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this. The clone army. They almost were. Yeah. Yeah. But like the clone army, the droid army, the stormtroopers, anyone with a standing military could wipe them out very easily. Sure. Why don't we have that in the High Republic? Sure. Well, they're pacifists in nature. But le- you you also jogged my memory on uh, on another point that I that I thought about earlier today. And I'm gonna say it, get your reaction to it, see what you think. 
I think that the Jedi of the High Republic are weak but smart. I think that the Jedi of like the prequel era were strong but dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I would actually completely agree with that. Um, Glad we agree. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, I mean, and they, they... they constantly pushed that this is a era of it's a renaissance period it's all about learning mm-hmm. the problem is we don't have any emphasis on fighting and dealing with the ptsd caused by having to take lives and lose comrades and loved ones and make hard split decisions which which technically you, would be the you, preferred you could path hard, though when you Realistically, you could make the same argument on the prequel era Jedi because they really haven't, they shouldn't have to have that to deal with either. They should be about in the same mm-hmm. boat, but you have some very strong-willed Jedi in the prequels that don't really have a problem with killing. They don't have a problem with dealing with loss. Well, it, I mean, it, look at Mace Windu. Yeah, it's, it's not just Do that. Do you have a Mace Windu in High Republic? Who can just take charge? You see, it's it's not just that for me. I'm actually talking about force affinity. Like, oh uh, yeah, the the, Jed, yeah. the Jedi yeah. of of the prequel era were not necessarily used to fighting. When you think about it, technically, the High Republic Jedi should be a little bit more because we had this whole Wild West frontier feel where they are out there. They they are based in more places, so they have more opportunity for it. But it feels like the Jedi of the prequel era were just, okay, so we're not used to fighting, but automatically we roll in, we're generals or whatever, and we're just kicking butt. But the High Republic, though, it seems like they kind of lack, they lack, the I don't know, the fighting spirit. They, they, they lack the strength of... Uh, well, it goes I, back I to, know, like you, you said, know. the... The majority of them are pacifists. They don't want to end life. They don't want conflict. Which, again, they is the right way. That's preferable. They, of course, it's preferable, but clearly we don't get that option here with the Nihil. But, you know, they, they're they highly skilled with the Force, but they crumble under pressure. Yes. Yeah. Look at, uh, look at everything that Elzar Man has done wrong. Look at everything that Avar has done Stellan. wrong. And I, I even got mentioned Stellan. Stellan, yeah. <laughs> you know, and think about this. You have a conduit to the force with Avar. She can funnel the force powers of every other Jedi from multiple systems away yep. into realistically one person if they want to. So think about if you had, a, a combat expert. Like, think if Avar could channel all the Force powers into Obi-Wan, Anakin, Mace Windu yeah. with Vapod. A- a- Anakin literally would be the best pilot in the world as opposed to yeah. what he was. Yeah, but, like, like think about Mace Windu fighting against an army of Sith using Vapod with all of the Force powers of every living Jedi at his back. I am all the Jedi. 
Yeah, yeah. I said that <laughs> kind of. I said that kind of evil, like Sidious, though. So that was that was that wasn't right. But anyway. But it, it's just frustrating how much they waste the potential of these Jedi because they are so intelligent. They're so crafty. They can yeah. come up with things that, honestly, if this is the Renaissance period of the Jedi, the prequel is the Dark Era. They're the Dark Ages. Oh yeah. These people are. So numb to the force, they can't One sense anything mind. going on around them. They are masters just because of the hours they've put in, not because of affinity, not because of intelligence. I mean, most of these master Jedi had basic force powers to use, like push and pull and boring stuff. They didn't have these amazing abilities. You telling me Plo Koon couldn't like conjure up a, 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 a storm, like a literal rainstorm. Listen, listen, I love Plo Koon. He's, he's awesome. But no, none of these, <laughs> yeah, I, I keep bringing up Mace just because he had the coolest force power of the time. But Obi-Wan had amazing defensive skills and he was a great warrior but as far as like force powers and affinity, he struggled. And he was considered yeah. one of the best Jedi of the era. And he was struggling through it the entire time. Yeah. It was sheer will that he survived. <laughs> yeah. So interesting discussion. I, I mean, I, I think that's something maybe we can, we can discuss more in depth at another time. Maybe when we finally do that Jedi council debate, you know, maybe yeah. down the road, rank well, them. Yeah, but l- let's go ahead and and just roll into the uh, into the rating. So, uh, one to five for books. Um, what are you giving it, and why? Uh, yeah, like I oh, said. Oh, and by the, the way, before I... you talk, just so I can interrupt you again because I love it. <laughs> uh, Goodreads, not very many ratings. Five hundred twenty-five uh, with ninety-four actual like written reviews. that's what Goodreads has it and that's the only one that I go off of so yeah I mean I'm kind of in line with Goodreads I'm not gonna lie I was thinking around a four um didn't like the book at first a lot of the relationship stuff kind of was the reason for it but we had some really cool scenes in this I thought it was a, a step above our last book by far we had some uh Interesting new characters. Canton Sai was really, really interesting. Yeah. Kind of cringy at first. I didn't really like the character until they set them up. Um, everything going on with Yoda, uh, them leaving the Jedi Order was awesome. Uh, Ram was a cool character that I felt like got a decent amount of development. He was yep. a goofy little kid, and he, he grew up a lot in this. Wizard, <laughs> I made it up. Okay. Wreath was really pushed into a leadership role in certain scenarios, and I think he did pretty well for you know, you know, before he got injured. Obviously, he held off. He held off hordes by himself. Yeah, and again, these apprentices are actually showing. It's almost like a mixture of prequel and High Republic era because not only do they have some affinity with the Force, but they actually have the will to fight even though they can acknowledge that they don't want to lose themselves in this battle and turn down the dark path in the process. Uh, We've actually had a couple moments where Wreath wanted to kill a few people. They decided not to because of this Uh, still dealt with the situation and saved lives. Um, 
I, I appreciate everything with Yoda. I didn't think I would. Mm-hmm. I've been really negative with Yoda lately, and this really changed my opinion quite a bit. Like we said, I think we are dealing with a Yoda that's a little bit wiser, not so jaded. Um, the fact that we actually get a conversation about how to deal with love, attachment, loss, um, honorably giving up somebody so they can pursue the path they need to take, mm-hmm. whether that's a path they chose or not, which is another discussion brought up in the book. Uh, really appreciated it. I'm almost back to being a Yoda fan, I think, because of that. The story is honestly a lot more exciting than the last book we had. Like, we yeah. had a full-scale war here instead of just a, a starlight being destroyed. So it was epic from start to finish. We had a lot of close-call uh, fights, and I think the deaths in this book would have been a little bit more impactful, honestly. <laughs> Even though I'm glad we didn't have any major deaths, we introduced some cool characters here. Crash was really cool, and... Yeah, I mean, I just think it was a solid book all around. We did have some issues with the over-sexualization, I think, and the uh, just having too many relationships kind of damper the book and made things a bit sluggish in places. But overall, it was a decent book, and I'd give it a four. Okay. Um. So, yeah, the, it, it was a much more enjoyable book than what we've kind of been dealing with. No offense. It just, it, a lot of it just wasn't all that interesting. I felt like it was more of a complete story, although ridiculous amount of chapters. I, I have no idea what we're doing yeah. anymore. It seems like a ridiculous amount. And even some of the chapters were just continuations of the last chapter. So it was kind of felt it, like paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make it. It didn't, I don't like that structure and that's a comic book thing and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it, but whatever. That's, that's a nitpick. Um, yeah, the, the too many relationships. I felt like we could have really tamped down on that and, and been a little bit more energetic in the character summaries and anything else. But the characters that we got were really interesting. I kind of want to see crash again. And I think we probably will. I'd like to see more of Ram now. I, I kind of want to, you know, I, I think Wreath is 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 kind of like number one right now. I mean, this this is a guy that I really want to follow out there on something. I mean, what happens? Give him some time when this this guy gets a Padawan. You know what I mean? That would be. I mean, that would be interesting. Um, Get a Bell and Wreath book or something. You yeah. Know? Oh, that would be cool. But, you know, Canton was a good addition here. Um, I, again, favorite part of the story was their backstory and, and just sort of like growing with that character. It was a very organic, organically grown character, which is something that we just haven't had much of. Um, I'm interested to see what Comac does in the future. Uh, and, and, you know, Lula, we didn't really have much in here, but interesting kind of start at least Lula's character, and, and we'll see kind of what that all brings in the future. Um, so yeah, good good little set piece here, uh, and, and, I, and I think that it, it provided a little bit of hope as well to the story. Um, you know, that the Nihil are not invincible. We can defeat them, and obviously the return of Yoda was, was huge, and I'd like to... I, I, am far more interested in having a a Yoda story than anything else, because I think Yoda 
at this point is far more interesting than perhaps he's ever been aside from, you know, when we first see him in empire. Um, but overall I'm probably going to go a little higher because I, I did really enjoy it. I mean, I told you the last book I skipped through parts of that book because I just, I couldn't deal. I, I could not deal with it. It wasn't a good book. I just didn't like it, which is sad because it's Claudia Gray and we've generally liked what she's put out. And even in the high Republic era, um, into the dark was not a great book, but it was good. It was, it was interesting. It was, it was kind of, kind of a fascinating read. It had some characters and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the last book was not good and we haven't had a a very good run in the high Republic aside from some of the comics. So I, you know, if I have to read young adult novels as opposed to the adult novels, I will, uh, but everything's so interconnected. You almost have to do it all or you're going to miss something big. Um, this was a big development. This was complete annihilation if it was allowed to be, uh, put forward. So we talked a little bit about in, in past, uh, episodes about stakes, the stakes felt high in this. Like it, it actually built up higher stakes than, than really, because even the great disaster didn't feel, it felt real. It felt real at times, especially with those two that got crushed in the station as they were getting ready to leave after sending their message. But we haven't done a great job of, of building the stakes. Um, but I think that we did a good job here. I think this was, was a good addition to, uh, a franchise that needed some help. And the thing is, is because it's a young adult novel, although probably not necessarily written like one, but because it's a young adult novel, I suspect that less people will read it than the adult novels, which is a mistake. So I would, I would recommend the read. So I'm, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm probably going to put this at maybe a 4.3. Um, I okay. don't want to overrate it because, you know, again, the, the beginning was a little slow. Uh, the relationship stuff got a little bit too heavy handed for me. Um, just the amount, there's just too much. Um, and it, you know, it, it kind of drug away from some of the other stuff, but, uh, but overall fairly happy with it. So not bad. Yeah, another thing I didn't really mention, I don't think we talked about it at all, uh, Corelli as a setting in general, I think was really well done. It wasn't mm-hmm. like in your face like, hey, hey, Solo, a Star Wars story, Corellia, aren't you excited? Yeah. It was well developed. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, what else we got to talk about? Are we, we good? Have we beat it all to death? Yeah, horse is dead. Sweet. (laughs) Well, folks, hopefully you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your thoughts if you read the book. Obviously, if you haven't read the book and just heard our run through, maybe you should read it and, like, disagree or whatever. But, uh, yeah, if you want to, you know, just send us a theory or send us a reaction to the book or a theory in general or you want to talk about something else, uh, hit us up. We're on the socials at... uh, at TC Plan Podcast on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Uh, we have an email if you want to just send like a little communication to us and just let us know what you're thinking about whatever. That's TC Plan Podcast at Gmail dot com. And uh, yeah, as we as we wrap up, I think that's about it. So y'all have a good rest of your week. And as always, may the force be with you.